broadcasting on the Drug Truth Network, this is Cultural Baggage. It's not only inhumane, it is really fundamentally un-American. My name is Dean Becker. I don't condone or encourage the use of any drugs, legal or illegal. I report the unvarnished truth about the pharmaceutical, banking, prison, and judicial nightmare that feeds on eternal drug war. Welcome to this special edition of Cultural Baggage. I'm glad you could be with us. We're going to take a good long look and listen to the recent happenings at the Seattle Hemp Fest. The Seattle Hemp Fest seeks to educate the public on the myriad of potential benefits offered by the cannabis plant, including the medicinal, industrial, agricultural, economic, environmental, and other benefits and applications. In particular, Seattle Hemp Fest seeks to advance the cause of cannabis policy reform through education while advancing the public image of the cannabis advocate or enthusiast. This past week, during the Seattle Hemp Fest, I had the opportunity to stay in the home of Mr. Vivian McPeak. My name is Vivian McPeak. I'm the executive director of Seattle Hemp Fest and a director of the Washington State Chapter of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. And uh, we're here on the Puget Sound at Myrtle Edwards Park in downtown Seattle, right by the Space Needle. We're getting ready for the 2006 Seattle Hemp Fest. It's our 15th year of bringing uh, world-class music, renowned speakers and drug war reformers and uh, bands and vendors of all kinds. We'll have music vendors and food vendors and arts and crafts and informational distribution. And uh, we're just really going to raise some freedom over the weekend and uh, hopefully get the word out that adults in a free society deserve the right to make their own choices, educated and informed choices, on what they put in the sanctity and the sovereignty of their own bodies. And really, as Americans, that's a fundamental right that we should all enjoy. And those, those choices should be made made based upon truthful and accurate information. And so what the Hempfest is about is bringing that information to the people and then hopefully the people will take that information and use it to go forward and change the laws because that's the way America works. Uh, we got about a thousand staff members uh, over the weekend. We'll fill a thousand staff shirts. We uh, have about a hundred people on our core group which meet all year round. Uh, and then we've got about eight pre people on our steering committee uh, which meet more than all year round almost. Um, this event's always a leap of faith. Uh, the fact that it comes together all volunteer like this uh, is pretty much miraculous, in my opinion. And uh, it's really a testament to how hard Americans will work for something that they believe in and, uh, and values and ideals and principles that they share. And probably anybody all over the world would step forward if they just had an opportunity to like this. Some of our, some of our hardest working volunteers that we have all the, the whole week that we're in the park you have three days to set up, two days of event, and two days to, to tear down. Some of our hardest working volunteers literally have nowhere to live, and they, they backpack in, these kids uh, from various towns. We had kids who come from other states hitchhike in, and uh, they'll be working seven days in a row. We have a staff kitchen for them, a bag check, an operations command center, a security uh, central command station. Um, We've got a lost and found. We've got first aid and info booths all through the place. We bring in ATMs for the event. Uh, and uh, we're just proud to be in a city, a city like Seattle that really respects First Amendment freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. It's was a pretty hard fight this year to, to get this event with various politics that were going on. But we're really glad to be here and really proud 
uh, to live in a country that allows freedom of speech even for a controversial, a ridiculously controversial uh, subject, but, but nonetheless one that, like cannabis reform. We have an exciting list of speakers and bands playing this year. We've got, you know, somebody had told me back in 1991 when we did our first Seattle Hemp Fest at Volunteer Park that 15 years later the chief of the Seattle Police Department would be speaking on our stage. I just said, you're crazy. But that's exactly what we have. We have former Seattle Police Chief Norm Stamper, who was chief when we started, coming to speak this year on our stage, advocating uh, complete decriminalization of, of marijuana and, and, and possibly other drugs uh, based upon uh, his writings recently. We also have the uh, Air America DJ Randy Rhodes as well, and we're just really excited to have both of them. Uh, we probably have a who's who of cannabis and drug policy reform activists in the nation coming to speak on our four stages, five stages this year. And, uh, and we also we have some world-class entertainment, musical support coming forward to support the cause as well. We've got a great band called Rehab. They're really rising the charts right now. You may have uh, heard their great song, Graffiti the World. And uh, we're real excited to have a lot of great acts. Um, we've got uh, a Seattle favorite from the 80s, uh, psychedelic band Helia Troop coming back together uh, to play this event. Uh, we've got our house band, the Herbivores, um, with Jim and Cher. Uh, who are core members and steering committee members and pretty much played every year we've ever had this. Uh, they'll be playing this year. And uh, in fact, you can go to hempfest.org and uh, see the whole lineup. Uh, the rest of the year, it'll be up there until next year. Um, we also have a lot of great uh, information. We have information on medical marijuana, uh, industrial and agricultural hemp uh, production domestically. Uh, we've got information on uh, responsible use by adults and a whole litany of other related uh, uh, subjects that relate to that because the thing about marijuana and cannabis uh, prohibition is there's just so many aspects to it. It's like a Medusa with tentacles out in every direction. Uh, it affects commerce and agriculture and medicine and uh, compassion and prison reform uh, and uh, there's just so many aspects to it. Um, it just doesn't end and you know that's why the Drug Truth Network is so vital and such an incredibly rare and important resource on getting this information out to the people uh, through a medium which frankly you don't hear about this very often and so you know I just really want to encourage uh, everybody who's hearing and seeing this uh, to really support any action like the Drug, Drug Tooth Network um, and all the folks that are working so hard on this. It's a real honor to work with people like this. You know, we're all volunteer here, and a lot of folks say, you know, why do you guys do this? Why do you work all year and put all this sweat and time and a lot of out-of-pocket money and time away from your family and friends and, and stuff like that, uh, put in this level of commitment? And my answer is usually that, for me personally, my reward is working with the caliber of individuals, with the high-spirited, motivated, uh, giving, hard-working, honest people that come forward to do this kind of thing. It's really a blessing to be a member of a community like this that puts the unity in community and people that are willing to take a stand for what they believe in. One of our mottos is it's better to fall for what you believe in than stand for nothing. And uh, we really take that to heart. And uh, we've lost some people recently. We've lost some staff members to cancer and one to an accident. And, uh, and you know, it's a good feeling to know that maybe years down the road, for who knows how many years after we've passed on, there will be Americans who will be able to enjoy more freedom and more liberty because of the groundwork that was laid by all the various generations of people who have been working in these movements. Um, and it's a peace movement. It's a social justice movement. 
We really believe that HempFest has very little to do with marijuana, and except that that's the, the, the central focus of how we advance our uh, message of reform and of, of liberty and justice, social justice and freedom. So we really see this as a peace movement. We want to end the drug war. We want to get the patients their medicine. We want to get the people out of the jails and prisons so we can make room for the violent offenders and the property offenders and the real criminals, and politicians maybe, if we could, things work out right. And more than anything, we feel that HempFest, as a protestable, is sending out a message that the First Amendment works if you use it. And you got to use it now or you'll lose it. And uh, that's what it's all about. So I'm proud to be an American. I'm, I'm probably more grateful than I am proud under the Bush administration. Uh, but I love this country deeply. And, uh, and we intend to honor the Constitution by using it every chance we can. Uh, and make sure that we do it very responsibly. And I think that's the success of HempFest. We work so hard to be professional and responsible in everything that we do here because we know the world's looking at us and they're judging a lot of stoners by how we act. And we're trying to do everybody right. So uh, whether you are or not a stoner, uh, if you're an American that believes in freedom and liberty and that the government has no room in our bladder or our bedroom or in our personal matters, as long as we're not hurting anybody else, Please step forward and support the Drug Truth Network and all of the stations that this incredible media resource is uh, being transmitted on because it's very important. And, uh, and maybe, maybe next year, come on down to Seattle Hemp Fest. Wear a staff shirt. Uh, if you got a belly button, that's your membership button to our tribe. Thanks a lot. Take care. Be safe and responsible in everything you do. Drug Truth Network rocks. A pre-party was held for the speakers at the old ship of Virginia V, and that's where I spoke to Mason Tavert. Hi, my name is Mason Tavert. I'm a campaign director for Safer Alternative for Enjoyable Recreation, otherwise known as Safer. We started back in January 2005 as a nonprofit dedicated to educating the public about the fact that marijuana is a much less harmful drug than alcohol. We started by passing student initiatives at the University of Colorado Boulder and Colorado State, which were successful. And from there, we went on to pass the first uh, ever uh, initiative to make marijuana legal in a major American city in Denver. Uh, that passed 54-46 and removed all penalties under city law for possession of up to an ounce of marijuana by adults 21 and older. Following that, we've had a number of victories around the country, uh, recently at the University of Texas in Austin, the University of Maryland, Florida State University, have all passed these student referendums saying that students don't think penalties for marijuana should be greater than for alcohol, and that's really what our organization is trying to get across, is that if, a, if an adult who is of age to consume alcohol would prefer to make the rational, safer choice to use marijuana instead, there's no reason on earth why our government should be prohibiting them from doing so. Uh, as of to just a couple days ago, uh, Safer successfully placed an initiative on the statewide Colorado ballot to make marijuana legal for adults 21 and older. Uh, if this passes, it would be the first state to vote to remove all penalties for private adult marijuana possession, and we are about to get that campaign kicked off here, so we're looking forward to it. There were lots of great bands and many great speakers there on the four stages, and one speaker who caught my attention for his humor, though we're going to have to edit the crap out of it was Ungayo. Here's my plan. Let's all fuck to we're all the same color. No, see, I mean right now. Get a blanket. No, I've been looking around. We'll be all right. I might have to go twice. But it was my idea. But look, I'm, look, it's cool that you guys, we can come out here and we can have a little hemp fast and have a good time and talk about smoking weed and shit. But don't forget to stay politically active. You understand me? We have to re-legalize marijuana. Marijuana used to be legal until 1937. 
You feel me? The founding fathers, Jefferson, Washington, all those guys used to grow up, they used to smoke it. The Declaration of Independence was originally written on hemp paper, hemp marijuana pot, right? Better paper than trees, better fabric than cotton, and you can smoke it and talk about shit. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Write that down. We'll forget. Don't forget. That's why Jan ha John Hancock's signature is so big. Because he was high as hell. Hell yeah, I'll sign that shit. They smoke weed. Ben Franklin smoked all the weed. He wanted to fly a kite in a thunderstorm. He's high as hell. He invented bifocals. Woo, it's like a kaleidoscope. The national bird is the bald eagle. What bird did Ben Franklin want for the national bird? The turkey. He's a stoner. The turkey. Ben, the eagle flies graceful, majestic, and free above the clouds. Yeah, but you can eat a turkey, brother. And there's John Hancock. Get outside for that, dude. I'm starving. <laughs> I'm going to head over. I'll be at the symposium. I'm hosting at the symposium at 4 o'clock. You want to hang out? And uh, we're going to have a joint chiefs of staff meeting. You understand what I'm saying? A joint subcommittee meeting. The, the symposium joint council will be accepting applications. I will roll a joint left-handed on a ski lift wearing gloves and a blizzard at night. You've got to have hobbies. I don't like stamps. That's my point. You can't golf at night. Well, you can, but I don't drink like I used to. I love to golf. I think black people should golf every day. Anytime you can hit white balls with a stick. <laughs> it channels aggression. Pulled over once too many times. I get pulled over a lot. Surprise. Don't let the suit fool you. I fit a profile. Cops can't wait to pull me. They don't even have a reason. I can see them making shit up on the way to my car. You know what I'm talking about? I'm driving. Woo! Uh. Uh. You know, we want to make sure your headlights work. Man, it's 12 noon. Well, you can't be too safe. Yeah, well, I just ate all my weed. How safe is that? You feel me? I'm on a two-week tour. I got a rationing program in effect. You just f***ed it all up. You know what I'm talking about? You know how hard it is to find weed in Rock Springs, Wyoming? Not very, because I'm social. Right, maybe for you, but I have the international weed passport. People see my haircut, they can't wait. I get what? Strip searched every time. Yeah, well, not every time. I'm starting to look forward to it. <laughs> now I'm just hiding her kisses in my butt. This is a nice treat. <laughs> Some of you just like, when did Hootie get a weed? All right, look. No, I'm not the fat kid from PM Dawn. My name's Umgayo. And now for another black perspective on the drug war. Let's talk for a moment about truth and lies. Some people have very complex systems for categorizing untruths. There are lies and fibs, bald-faced lies, little white lies, and tall tales. Then there are people like my mother, for whom there is a much simpler system. If it's not the truth, then it's a lie. Racial profiling is a lie. It's the excuse given by lazy or bigoted cops when they are caught preying on vulnerable populations for the easy arrest instead of doing their jobs. But the excuse is a lie because the typical drug user is a white male. The people they stop fit the profile of those without the political connections or financial resources to make problems for the police. 
street-level enforcement is a lie. Rich, powerful people move mountains of drugs and mountains of cash every day. Yet, most of the drug dealers doing time today were caught with less than an ounce of drugs in their possession. That you need to sacrifice some of your liberties to fight the rising tide of crime is a lie, too. The tide of crime has been ebbing for decades, and without the tsunami of drug war arrests, most of America's prisons would be empty right now. However you spin it, dress it up, or justify it, a lie is still a lie. And lying is always wrong. For the Drug Truth Network, this is Phil Jackson. Warning, the government doesn't want you to hear this ad. Because they're embarrassed. They funded research indicating marijuana doesn't cause lung cancer and might even prevent cancer. Government research also found medical uses for marijuana and no one has ever died of a marijuana overdose. The more research the government conducts, the more they undermine their own war on marijuana users. Visit the Marijuana Policy Project Foundation at joinmpp.org or call toll-free 1-877-JOIN-MPP. While in Seattle, I got a chance to speak to many of the people who have been guests on the Drug Truth Network, including Chris Crane of Students for Sensible Drug Policy. Well, Chris, we're here at the uh, Seattle Hemp Fest. Uh, thousands and thousands of people learning, sharing the truth. Let's talk about what truth the SSDP provides. Sure. We, uh, we claim to represent uh, what we call the D.A.R.E. generation. It's a generation of uh, young people and students who grew up with the D.A.R.E. program, who grew up being lied to, grew up being told that if you smoke pot, you're a bad person. If your parents smoke pot, they're bad people. You should turn them into the police. And uh, we're the generation whose, whose name the drug war has been, ra- been waged in. It's always been about protecting the kids. And uh, we represent those kids that are saying no more, not in our name. Well, I, I think the biggest way that the, right now, or the most egregious way that the drug war impacts young people is through the Higher Education Act aid elimination penalty, which is a law that uh, automatically denies federal financial aid to any student with a drug conviction. Uh, you can't be denied financial aid for college if you have a murder conviction or a rape conviction or an aggravated assault conviction or anything other than a drug conviction. Uh, about 190,000 students nationwide have lost their aid as a result of a drug conviction. Uh, we've launched a campaign called the campus change campaign where uh, our chapters are working on their campuses to try and change punitive drug policies such as um, uh, students getting kicked out of the dorm for marijuana possession or uh, the penalties for marijuana uh, for marijuana being uh, disproportionate to those for underage drinking or parental notification policies. Um, we're, getting, we're getting college students all over the country to change, their policy, change the policies on their campuses and training them to be the next generation of, uh, of drug policy reformers. Hi, my name is David Gard. I'm the Associate Director of Stop the Drug War, the Drug Reform Coordination Network, as we're, as we're also known, DRCNet. Well, essentially, we are an organization that wants to end drug prohibition. We want to point out to the world the consequences of prohibiting drugs to the country. Uh, you know, what happens in the inner cities, what happens with the high prices of drugs and the, the organized crime and the criminal element of things. So there's a whole other side, and it's drug prohibition causes so much ill in society that it needs to be addressed at its core. It's really the, the root problem of all of our drug ills. 
A lot of people are connected to us. In fact, most people probably most well-known for our Drug War Chronicle. Uh, it's the world's leading drug policy newsletter. It goes out to 32,000 people every week. It's all original reporting. Very soon our website will change dramatically, and you'll see an integrated blog website. So it's really our, you know, push out in the blogosphere, kind of taking it to DRCNet Web 2.0, you know. It's StopTheDrugWar.org. Uh, we are also DRCNet.org. And uh, when you go to our website, uh, you'll be able to access the, the world's, you know, largest drug library. Do something, whatever you can do on a community level. I mean, you know, stay informed through our through us, but really look at it as a launching ground for what you can do in your own area as far as activism. I mean, it takes people to make a difference. You know, if you're not doing it, then and and you believe in this cause, then then uh, then you're missing the boat and you're not doing enough. I like to tell people here is that you know most people smoke mar marijuana that are that are using drugs and. When you smoke marijuana, you're not doing a countercultural thing anymore. You know, when you consider that 95 million Americans have smoked pot, when you consider, you know, that by the time people reach, you know, high school age, really, out of high school, they're half, half the people have smoked pot. By the time they reach college age, you know, graduation age, 75% of people. When 72% of people think, you know, marijuana should be a traffic-like ticket, but that says something. This is not countercultural activity. It, it is cultural. We're part of the culture, and we demand to be heard. We demand that laws, you know, re reflect a more, more, equality, you know, within them, and we want to be treated fairly like everyone else. We're otherwise law-abiding citizens, and, uh, you know, there's a different way to treat people that are, that are such. So, anyway, do what you can on a local level, and that's, uh, that's all I can tell you. If you'd like to learn more about the Seattle Hemp Fest, and especially what the former police chief, Mr. Norm Stamper, had to say at the Hemp Fest, please tune in to this week's Century of Lies program. We now go to the Drug Truth Network reporters. I recently returned from Nashville, Tennessee, where I worked the Leap Booth at the National Council for State Legislators. I spoke with many of the state senators and representatives from various states, and we received a whopping 79% of people that agreed with Leap's position on total drug legalization. As well, seven of eight Tennessee troopers who stopped at our table also agreed with us, and one was undecided. Now, while this was not a scientific poll, the results were only slightly lower than previous shows. Consider these folks with legislators, staffers, or spouses of legislators. I found these results very exciting. So where is the disconnect with Washington and the policymakers that refuse to see that the war on drugs is really a total public policy failure and it must be stopped before any more lives are lost to its insanity? For example, Francisco Javier... Arellano Felix, 37, of the Arellano Felix Cartel based in Tijuana, Mexico, was taken into custody last Monday by federal drug agents in the U.S. Coast Guard. Much ado was made about this powerful strike against the cartel. Nothing changed when his brother was killed and another one was jailed, except continued killings. Now, there would be another round of mass killings and shootings when a new leader of the cartel is decided upon or another cartel decides to move into Tijuana. The reach of this powerful cartel and this brutality is probably unrivaled in the history of drug warfare. Just recently, a Peruvian judge and his cousin were gunned down while dining in a restaurant in Lima, Peru. This judge was charged with prosecuting several dealers linked to the Tijuana cartel. Peru reportedly has seen a whopping 40% increase in cultivation of cocaine since last year. We must legalize, regulate, and control the distribution of drugs and take them out of the hands of these dangerous criminal cartels and stop this senseless killing. We are fortunate that they do not practice these assassinations here in the United States as of yet. 
Mexico's police, news reporters, and politicians, and even a church cardinal have been targets of this powerful cartel. The day that the alcohol prohibition ended was the day that Al Capone and his gang had to find new work. The same will be true the day that our elected officials decide that enough killing is enough and cease this crazy drug war. Just because these assassinations take place in another country does not lessen the importance of that human life. Drugs are too dangerous to be left in the hands of criminals. What is the solution? Legalization, regulation, and control of all drugs. The criminal gangs must be removed from the distribution chain, and then the associated violence will also stop. It's time for a change. Together, let's find a solution for our future. This is Terry Nelson on behalf of LEAP, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, at www.leap.cc, signing off. Poppygate, bizarre news about the U.S. policy on controlling heroin, featuring Glenn Greenway. New reports from Afghanistan indicate that the area under poppy cultivation increased an incredible 78% this year over last. In 2005, U.S. occupied Afghanistan's poppies yielded over 90% of the world's heroin, effectively monopolizing the illegal market. Undoubtedly, this year's record-breaking crop will further increase black market domination. Meanwhile, in suburban Massachusetts, heroin remains readily available for $4 a dose, less than a pack of cigarettes or a six-pack of beer. According to the UN Office on Drugs and Crime, the price of heroin in the U.S. has decreased by half in the last 10 years. NATO's Supreme Allied Commander, General James Jones, reminded the world this week that NATO will follow American precedent in, in Afghanistan and take no active role in eradicating the illegal crop. Dear listeners, the U.S. now spends $40 billion per year waging drug war, yet after five years of American occupation, Afghanistan heroin production has increased over 30-fold and continues to rise exponentially, seemingly without limit or resistance. The Bush administration slash cartel simultaneously oversees both the world's largest prison system, overflowing with drug war casualties, and the world's largest illegal drug production and distribution network. This is Glenn Greenway reporting for the Drug Truth Network. Good news, America. The government continues to break down barriers that impede our goal of a drug-free society, requiring less evidence to implement innovative and more effective law enforcement techniques. On May 28, 2006, Emiliano Gomez Gonzalez was caught smuggling $124,700 in U.S. currency through the state of Nebraska. He was pulled over for speeding by Nebraska State Trooper Chris Bigsby. After getting permission to search the vehicle from Mr. Gonzalez, Officer Bigsby discovered the $124,700 in U.S. currency hidden in a cooler in the back seat. While it was clear to Officer Bigsby that this was drug money, there was no evidence to support this claim. No drugs, no drug paraphernalia, and no drug-related criminal record for Mr. Gonzalez. Nothing. In a stroke of luck, drug dogs alerted to the money and the vehicle, indicating traces of drugs, and Officer Bigsby was able to seize the drug money. Mr. Gonzalez filed a claim opposing the forfeiture, and the district court found that because the car he was driving was a rental, and apparently a large percentage of U.S. currency contains traces of narcotics, 
The drug dog alert was not enough to seize the money. But just last week, August 18th, 2006, that decision was reversed by the 8th Circuit Court of Appeals. According to the court, the large sum of money itself is, quote, strong evidence of drug-related activity. In a nutshell, the ruling is, if you have a large sum of money, it's drug money, and the government can take it, evidence or no evidence. And that's good. It's good for freedom, and it's good for America. This has been Winston Francis with the official Government Truth. You know, I think Winston's on to something this week. If we can get these forfeiture monies, whether there's drugs involved or not, apparently it doesn't matter. There's lots of rich folks out there with lots of money. We won't ever have to pay taxes again, and we'll all live forever tax-free right here in America thanks to the drug war and all the rich folks in America. Well, I hope you enjoyed this cultural baggage focused on the Seattle Hemp Fest. And in closing, once again, I remind you that because of prohibition, you don't know what's in that bag. Please be careful. To the Drug Truth Network listeners around the world, on behalf of engineer Philip Guffey, this is Dean Becker for Cultural Baggage and the Unvarnished Truth, the show produced at the Pacifica Studios of KPFT, Houston. Jap dancing on the air, too. I'm not good.